your new or existing home is one of your most important assets. Yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Hello and welcome to Real Real Estate Today. I'm your host, Deb Tomorrow, but I may become a Jamberry consultant <laughs> because Karen and I went to a Jamberry. Do you know what Jamberry is? You know what Jamberry is because you're Karen. Rachel, do you know what Jamberry mm-hmm. is? Right? They're like stickers that you get to put on your fingernails. They're wraps. Wraps, They're sorry. Wraps. They're stickers. Let's just call it what it is. However... Wraps. Uh, so they gave us some little samples, and Karen and I installed them on our fingertips. I had no idea what I was doing. I believe I was chastised most of the time for doing it wrong, and yet, 10 days later, mine are still on. And Karen's, where are yours? Um, mine came off the day <laughs> that evening when I got home. But, you're a picker, too. But, you well, I still bit. had my, my gel manicure from mm-hmm. the previous, so... Maybe that's probably why. That's probably why. Okay. Well, I even had to like trim. I broke a nail and had to like trim it up and stuff. And it's still, yeah. I've watched. All right, we get it. We need to post a picture of it because I know every day I send you a text message like, "Here's an update on my fingernails still there because they said they would last two weeks." Yeah, I did not believe it ten days ago. Starting to believe it now. All right. So anyway, I'm going to share the little samples I got in the mail for our order. (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, okay. Should we should probably shouldn't talk about fingernails the whole no. show. It's been a while, so you know we have some catching up to do. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Good. You have a you've been gone for a while. And we've taken a few weeks off, but uh, today we are recording on May fifteenth, twenty eighteen. If anybody listens, uh, want to give a shout out to a sweet listener named Vicky Tillman who uh, messaged me and just. Said she listened to the show and appreciated it and got some good information from it. So shout out to superfan Vicki and good luck with the sale of your home. I hope it goes smoothly. Her house is for sale in Detroit, Michigan, if anybody is looking up there to buy. What are interest rates doing today? Are you allowed to talk about that? They are increasing. Mm. So um, let's just say if, if listeners, if you're out there right now and you're on the fence, whether you want to lock in, uh, you probably need to contact your loan officer and get that handled. ASAP. Yep. And it's also a good time to remind people of what interest rates were in 1978. Yeah, 1978 was like 18% or something 18%. like that. So, I mean, and we've come a long way. 1997, I bought my first home. Interest rates were 7. Yeah. So we're still below that. We're still below that. Uh, so kind of perspective, I guess, is what I'm, I'm wanting to obviously you know, buy, the interest rates are still pretty low, but compared to where they were, it can be disappointing. And if you got pre-qualified for a mortgage at a 4% or even, I mean, I've had talked to some people that were looking at 15 years and were qualified, you know, refinanced last year in the threes somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now they're looking for a new home and they're in the fives. It's a little bit of a shock. It is it a shock for a lot of people. It changes your purchasing power. Uh, you were just talking about uh, a, a specific situation. You were looking at who someone's Interest rate from the time he was pre-qualified just in the past few weeks to now changes his payment by $100. Yeah. So it, it can be life-changing. Uh, so stay on top of that. Have a conversation. Pick up your phone. Call your lender right now. Uh, so I guess I should introduce you. 
That's only been, yeah. I was gonna, like, so you can like, you want. That's 5,000 episodes. Everyone should know who you are by now. But Karen Russell, best damn Leonard in the state of Indiana. I'm Deb tomorrow. Follow us on Facebook, yada, yada, yada. We are going to get to it. I want to talk about this crazy market because it's been such an interesting year. Um, and I have really done a lot of deep philosophical meditation to help me get through this year. Don't roll your eyes at me. You're, it's, I, I, I I've, I've, I've been away for six or seven weeks, yeah. like literally. So this is okay. This is news news no, to no, me. No, but I'm just like go I, deep, Deb. I had an I had an epiphany. Okay, and I thought I have to like reframe and everything, everything that I'm thinking. I have to just approach it from a new perspective. Or I'm going to lose my mind. You know why? Because you ha- you got those new glasses. I do. Have and new now glasses. you can definitely see. <laughs> Am I wearing them? No. No, you're not. no, I don't know. They're somewhere. Okay. Uh, so and I've lost them a few times. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Um, it, I have had to reframe things. So I've had to really go. You know, we're going to sell houses two or three times before they actually get sold. And the reason for that is that buyers are under such pressure to have to make decisions so quickly that buyer's remorse is a lot more prevalent. Mm. And so I find that if I just approach things from this, eh, I have to sell it two times. And if, if I only sell it once, that's awesome. That's bonus. But my expectation is I sell it twice. I'm much calmer about things and, you know, and, and just aren't, I'm not so stressed out all the time. Um, and so if you're a realtor, I encourage you to, reframe this year because it's just different. I mean, you know, I haven't been in the business forever. I've been for 12 years and this certainly I've never seen a year like this before. Well, on our MLS, I've noticed more of the listings indicate that they are taking backup offers mm-hmm. or, you know, and, yeah. and I used to not see that. I don't know if that's a, a newer function because they've redone that website, but it's, yeah, it is. But even so, like for me, it's like, okay, so I didn't realize that many sellers were taking backup offers. Well, and the key for this year is strategy. And we're going to talk about strategy here when we talk about picking a realtor in our, our series, if I ever get to it. But I may not. I may just chat. Um, strategy. And so I, taking backup offers is certainly one strategy. Although I'm also finding I had this conversation with a seller this morning. Do you want a backup offer? We listed the property. We had five offers on it. Two of them indicated, you know, we accepted one. Two indicated they'd be interested in being a backup offer. Do we want to do that? Or do we just want to kind of have them hanging out there? Because I had this scenario happen to me last week. We had an accepted offer a couple weeks ago. They did inspections. They wanted to walk away. They didn't even want to give us a chance to call the insurance company to see if we could get a new roof on, which we did, by the way, get approved for a new roof. So I don't know why they were, you know, walking away when they weren't even giving us an opportunity. But anyways... All I did was send an email out to realtors saying, hey, this deal's falling apart if anyone has a buyer. We got an offer that was like $7,000 higher than the offer we had before. Deal score. So yeah. it's <laughs> like, okay. So it made me think, you know, if we had gotten a backup offer, it probably would have been even less than where we had settled. Because usually, you know, you take your highest and best and then your backup offer would be the next one. Yeah. And waiting a couple weeks, it's a different market. There's different buyers out there. Uh, I mean, it really worked out to my seller's advantage. We're closing about 10 days later than we would have closed before and they're walking away with about $7,000 more in their pocket. That's a win-win. That's a win-win. Not for that first buyer. 
because they had a deal apparently. But anyways, um, so strategy is a big part of it and having that. There was a report that came out from Remax. Um, I'm a Remax realtor and they always give us some nice reports at market trend reports of the Midwest. And so, which is where we are in Bloomington, Indiana. And it talked about Indiana and they take statistics from the MLS. They also do surveys. So they survey realtors to kind of get a feel for what are the, you know, what things are we seeing? And so, some of the things that they were talking about um, is, and this is as of like last week, it just came out as more Hoosiers enter the housing market in the weeks ahead. The strong sellers market will continue in nearly every region in the state. So for Indiana, the average sales price in Indiana was up 8% from this time last year. That's a pretty big leap for, you know, middle America Absolutely. Uh, in one year. Um, it's the highest first quarter increase over the last five years. Uh, buyers will be competing for even fewer homes with inventory down 13% statewide, ouch, 34% in the Indianapolis area. So Indianapolis, I'm hearing stories, is, I mean, we're complaining, but Indianapolis has it rough up there. It is hard to find stuff. Um, Remax brokers tell buyers and sellers to expect the following in the spring and summer months. New construction will continue to increase, but not enough to keep up with demand. We've talked about in the past why uh, we have a housing shortage and the lack of new construction for many years has been a big part of that. Uh, homes in most areas will likely sell in hours of being listed. Due to pricing and non-contingent offers, the market will be most challenging for first-time buyers. Um, we're competing with a lot of cash offers around here, uh, and that's hard for normal people who don't have that kind of cash. Uh, and additionally, many sellers are receiving offers over asking price, and some buyers are dropping inspection requirements to compete, which I have seen too, people not making it contingent on inspections, which keeps me up at night. Uh, and then the report goes on to show, and this is kind of interesting, different regions of Indiana, average time sellers of uh, homes under $300,000 expect to have an accepted offer. In central Indiana, um, and this is the Indianapolis area, it's two to three days. In the southwest, which is like uh, Du Bois, Davies County, hours, in hours. Because there's not much down there at all. Uh, Monroe Owen in Greene County is in about a week, which seems a little high to me. Um, also talks about average days on the market. As, and for Monroe County, it's down 12%. Um, but other markets, it's down even more. So it's an interesting report that just sort of backs up what we're feeling. Uh, and so we are going to do a 12-part series. I know that sounds like a lot, but hang in with me because it's only going to be over four shows. We did a 12-part series for uh, home buyers. Um, a couple months ago and we put those up on YouTube so those are really nice little 12 10 minute segments uh, so we're going to do the same thing sort of as a seller seminar so if you've never been um, a home seller um, then uh, this is a good series to listen to and we'll have this up on YouTube uh, as we go along as well um, so the first uh, three parts that we are going to go over today so we're going to do three parts every week uh, picking a realtor and then picking, here's my favorite word again, a strategy for transitioning. And then the pre-listing inspection and, and what you should think about, that, consider doing about that. And that's going to be an interesting one because one of the things that I have found the seller's market is that um, there's a lot more adrenaline involved. There's a lot more buyer's remorse involved for buyers. And there's a lot more overconfidence for sellers. Um, I've had a few sellers, uh, and I love all of my clients. They're all I, I work with really good people, and I'm really lucky to do that. But um, there are some that, that kind of get these moments of, it's a seller's market. They know it's a seller's market, 
they shouldn't be asking me for anything. They should be lucky I'm even talking to them. I mean, they don't say that, but that's the kind of sense you get. They get this overconfidence. Like, I don't have to fix anything. They should be lucky that I'm, you know, willing to lift a pen and sign my name under the <laughs> contract kind of thing. Um, and that is certainly not the case. In fact, I sold one house last week that was in a really hot neighborhood, but had been on the market for two and a half months. And it was because it was just, I always say, I was always the bridesmaid, never the bride. It just wasn't quite there. Like the dog had chewed on the trim around the doors. And there was, you know, some spots on the walls that could have used some paint. Mm -hmm. The countertops were kind of ugly. You know, it just wasn't quite there. And there was always something better that was coming on the market. So you can't be, you can't rest on your laurels. You can't rest on the fact that, um, it's a seller's market. You still need to understand the process. You still need to take the time to prepare your home. And that's kind of what this series is about. So we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to start our seller seminar and talk about my favorite topic, picking a realtor. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. Well, hey, I'm Deb Tomorrow, realtor in Bloomington, Indiana. I'm like yelling at the... Uh, um, <laughs> Wait, like, wait, I got to schedule a showing during break because that's how quickly things are going in today's market. Um, but anyways, I'll do it during the next break. Um, so we are talking today about uh, we're starting segment one of a home buyer, a home seller series. You're going to have to kick me under the table every time I say home buyer, please. Okay. Thank you. Um, because I'm just so used to saying home buyer. But I'm excited. We've all, I've talked for years about putting together a home seller seminar, and uh, I think it's about time. So we're doing that over the next four shows and talking about uh, three segments in each one. So today we're going to get right at it with picking a realtor 
here. And just kind of the top rules, we have tons of shows uh, that cover this topic. Um, I think it was one of the first shows we ever did. Uh, I was talking about working with a realtor and picking a realtor and that kind of thing. Um, so I just want to kind of go over my recommendations. And Karen, as a lender, I'm sure you have some recommendations too because you've probably seen instances where people didn't pick a good fit for them, whether it's the buyer or the seller side. That or not picking a realtor at, at all. all. I mean, that's... <laughs> you seem to be doing a lot of that this year. It happened, yeah. Were, I, yeah. I don't know if people are, th- if buyers are thinking that they can get a better deal because the commissions aren't there mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, those fees aren't there, but... Um, well, certainly being a seller's market, I think sellers are thinking, my house should just sell itself. Right. And in some cases, that may be true. And honestly, you know, I always tell people, I sold a condo by myself before I was in real estate because a buyer came to me, like not left a note, literally left a note on my door. Right. I want to buy your condo. I'm like, oh, I, I do need to sell. Okay. You know, and it just kind of worked. I was clueless. We were both clueless through the whole process. But, you know, there are times like that where you know, a traditional realtor uh, setup doesn't necessarily work. But anyways, so one of my top tips is asking friends for recommendations is a great way to go. And I know a lot of realtors, I know I build my business off of referrals from past uh, clients. So asking friends for recommendations, but not who do you know, but who have you used? And I think there's a big difference there. So don't just pick someone because they're related to someone you know. Um, there's This is a huge, huge financial transaction. And you really need to take it seriously and do your due diligence. So even if someone is like, you know, giving you a name, you still should take the opportunity to interview them. And I don't know, have you ever seen any transactions where it's like the cousin of the sister of the hairdresser of the guy who... Yeah, I've seen those as well. And sometimes um, when that happens, I don't know if there's a little bit slack between the communication sometimes with the agent and mm. and that and that party because you just think, oh, we're related, or you know, we you sort of take it for granted. Or yeah, or it, it's a little bit more of a more relaxed, yeah, I casual, guess. Mm-hmm. casual, sure. yeah, relationships, right? So. right. And and they're not, you know, I always tell the story of. Or when people say, you know, why why should I pick a local lender? Because I'm big on local lenders. I'm like, because they care about their reputation here in town. And if something goes bad with one transaction, it can impact many, many other transactions for them. And so they tend to work harder um, because they take that relationship really seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same thing with a realtor who builds their business on referrals is that they take that relationship really seriously as opposed to someone who may build their business on paying for leads, which is an interesting question, I guess. I don't know if you get a straight answer for that, but I would certainly, you know, if you were interviewing a realtor, like where do most of your clients come from? Do they come from past clients or do they come from like lead generation, random leads yeah. from Zillow. That says a lot. It really does. I know Karen's not going to say anything because she's going to be politically correct. But no, I'm, I'm just say. saying, like, you need to, you shouldn't hang, you shouldn't hang your hat on on one hook. So if that's all you're doing, let's say, is lead generation. I mean, for the lender, I'm speaking mm-hmm. as a lender. Sure. If all I was doing was uh, trying to get leads from, and there are plenty out there but not really focused on trying to build relationships with the real estate community here locally, then, I mean, you know, I'm leaving it up to the universe to like right. just magically drop, some leads, yeah, in drop leads in my lap. Well, Qualified I, leads. Yeah. Well, I think let's talk about it. You know, what is do, doing your due diligence 
as a seller trying to pick a realtor? What is that involved? Here's what I would recommend. First thing I would do, I would stalk their current listings. I always ask people when I go into a listing appointment, have you seen my listings? And usually they say no. And I get that because maybe it's, they're hard to find, you know, because there's a million listings out there and I might have 10 or 20 at any given time. And how do you find them? Because you don't know what address or whatever. I get that. But if you can find them, I think you should find them. Check out how the realtor presents listings. Is it compelling? Are the pictures good? Is the content accurate? Is it complete? Because Karen, how many times do we see listings with crappy pictures? Mm-hmm. All the time. Or few pictures. So or if few. there's few pictures in there of like scenery, then I <laughs> tend to think that maybe there's something, you know, cosmetically or oh yeah, yeah or, you right. know, or whatever Nothing wrong with inside the house, the house. Right. right right one of my favorites from a couple of years ago was that the realtor wouldn't even get out of their car they you could see the side view mirror in the picture like they rolled their car window down to take the main picture of the front of the house but down in the corner was the side view mirror because they just rolled the window down and took a picture from now maybe there were vicious dogs i don't know <laughs> I probably would have said that in the listing, though, like, sorry for the picture, but there were vicious dogs, and you probably don't want to just do a drive-by at this house because the vicious dogs will kill you or whatever. Um, the other, and one of the other favorite ones was, was wintertime, and they took a picture just of the backyard through the screen door, but they didn't actually go outside, so if you look at the pictures, it just had little blocks. From the screen. screen. Yeah, yeah, it had, like, little squares all over it. It made me dizzy. Yeah. Just don't take pictures of the outside then. Like, I mean, just go that extra step. If you can't do Open it, the door. Right. I mean, they didn't even have to step outside. Right. Sorry. Right. <laughs> so first thing you do, check out their, so a friend says, hey, I use this realtor. They're great. Awesome. Go check out their listings. See if their style, if you're happy with it, if it's got, you know, all the information you're looking for, uh, if it's compelling, if it makes people, you know, makes you want to stop and look at the listing. I think that's really important. I think people don't do that. Then the next thing I would do is make a call or an email, kind of whatever your preferred method of communication is, and see how quickly they respond. Because one of the other things that drives me crazy, this is going to be like, a what drives Deb crazy? Everything. Um, is... When clients say, well, we really want to work with this realtor. We're just waiting for her to call us back. It's been a few days. Why do you want to work with that realtor then? That happens on the lending side too. Oh, my gosh. We're shopping. She's right. really yeah. nice, but she won't call you back. I don't get it. So I would do that and then set up a time uh, to interview them at your home usually because I like to do a walkthrough. Um, and it doesn't have to be a formal interview, but, you know, I would have some questions written down. I'm always happy when people have questions written down um, so that we can make sure they get all, all of, um, you know, any anything that they want answered, especially if they're first-time home seller. But here are some suggestions on some things that I think you should ask about. One, we've talked about this again, ask about strategy. What is the realtor strategy? I think strategy is huge in today's market. Um, like I was talking about uh, at the top of the show, we've had to figure out new strategies and, and what is that? Uh, and it's kind of one of the fun things this year um, as, well as, as well as one of the challenges. But I see too many listings that don't have a good strategy or a plan. And I just know that the seller is leaving money on the table. I mean, there are some houses that go up on the market and you just think, they or they already had an offer. They never hit the open market. Is that the best strategy for that house? Maybe it is. Maybe to the seller, there's value in selling it before I even have to do a showing or make a bed. But are you leaving money on the table? And how much money are you leaving on the table? 
And I think that's a good conversation to have with an agent. Um, ask about the last house that they listed and what their specific strategy was about that house. I just feel like there are a lot of really good realtors who get that this market is different and they are approaching the market differently. Then there are some realtors who are just sort of maintaining the status quo. Like this is how I've always done it. I've always listed it, never worried about pictures. I listed it at an odd time. Like um, who was it that listed up something on like the Saturday night before Easter? And it was like one person went to see it on Easter Sunday, wrote an offer and they got it because it's the first offer that came in and it was a really hot neighborhood and a really hot house. And I just thought, who would do that? Like, that doesn't make sense. That's not a good strategy. I don't know. But also too, um, whenever you do agree to list with a certain realtor, how long is that agreement for? Is that, yeah. Is that three months or I don't know how that works. Is that six months? Because that's the other thing too. I'd be wondering like, do I like this person? Do I like everything else about them? Cause I'm going to be working with them for yep. how, you know, whatever that initial contract is. Yep. Um, at that first meeting at your home, you want to do a walkthrough of the house. And I always tell people up front, don't expect a price from me because I'm not going to come up. I'm not going to come to you with a formal, like, here's what your house is worth until I've been through it. And I've had some time to digest. So that's my, that's how I do things. Other realtors do things differently. I know a lot of realtors walk in with a very, like, you know, a fancy folder and papers and here's what your house is worth. I don't, I feel like that's not accurate because I haven't been in your house. So I might tell you something that's totally not true. And then you get stuck on that without me seeing, you know, what the the true picture is of your house. Um, And then be upfront with the realtor about your goals and your needs um, and see how much they listen and indicate that they'll craft a marketing strategy that helps you meet that. Um, so when I go in, I don't typically have a fancy presentation. I just go in and say, tell me about you. Tell me about your goals. What do you need? And I just listen. And then, you know, we start to brainstorm and, you know, and then come up with a plan later. But I I think listening is sort of the most important. That's so cliche. No, but you had a great example, and I know we probably have to go to break soon, yeah. about sitting on the porch oh, with, yeah. with a seller yeah. and getting to know them. And like you know, and when you were telling this to me, I pictured you guys drinking lemonade, playing we checkers, a girl, for sure, but- you know, or whatever. And that's exactly what you did with that client, which was to get to know what his motivation was yeah. or whatever. And then I saw that you have that listed, which is it's a super cute little tiny house. Yeah. Um, so don't pick a realtor because they tell you they have a buyer because that's usually not true. Um, don't pick a buyer because they tell, or don't pick a realtor because they tell you they can put a sign in the yard today. I've lost some listings that, because of that. I can put a sign in the yard right now. Well, is that the best strategy for you? How about we get a photographer and take some really good pictures and craft a strategy? And, you know, I mean, I'm not going to take a month to do it, but hey, let's put a little thought into it before we put up the most expensive thing you're ever going to sell in your entire life. Um, Don't pick a realtor just because they weigh discount commission because you need to understand where that discount's coming from. Is it coming from the listing agent side or is it coming from the buyer's agent side? might be something interesting to discuss. Um, and uh, don't make, don't pick a realtor necessarily because they offer one of those buyout packages. We see that sometimes um, where they say, you know, if your house doesn't sell in 60 days, I'll buy it because the price at which they will buy it for 
you could probably sell it on the open market because it's going to be an incredibly discounted price. So not necessarily the greatest selling point that you think. Do pick a realtor based on their ability to talk strategy in a way that makes you comfortable. Uh, Ask them what happens if there's a multiple offer or if they've ever received an escalation clause on a listing before and how they handled it and what happened. Um, That'll also help you kind of sort out the not so experienced realtors if they have trouble answering those questions. Um, Do pick a realtor based on how their listings appear online. Do pick a realtor based on their availability. That is huge for your sanity. Huge for attracting, you know, getting through to buyers and answering questions. Um, I had a, a, a situation last year where the agent was sick and didn't respond for a week. We were going to write an offer, but we had a couple of specific questions we needed answered. And then by the end of the week, when she decided to get back to us, my buyers were like, eh, <laughs> they just thought I don't want to deal with it. So, um, and my last piece of advice is that your gut is usually right when picking your realtor. As with most things in real estate, go with your gut. All right, so that is some important advice on picking a realtor when you are a seller. And our next segment is going to be the transition strategy, um, as we like to used to call it, the three C's, now it's the four C's. So stick around, you're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling. Whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. 
This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. That's Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, welcome back. We are part two of our seller seminar that we're going to be doing over the next uh, four shows. And so the first segment that we just talked about was picking a realtor coming at it from a seller perspective. We talk a lot about it coming from a buyer perspective, but some questions you should ask. Uh, Part two, next thing you need to do if you are a seller. So you've got your realtor chosen. Now you need to think about what your transition strategy is is going to be. Uh, And we're going to use the word strategy a lot here in the beginning of the seller seminar because a lot of it is sort of strategizing. Um, For most of my sellers, uh, it's important to not be homeless. And but it can be really overwhelming to figure out how you're going to do that, because when you're selling, you're usually going somewhere else. So you basically have four options. Uh, And I would say that it's important to note that not all options work in all markets. So the first option is one that a lot of people come to me and say, well, I just need to buy a house, but make it contingent on the sale of mine. And we laugh and laugh and laugh. No, we don't laugh, but we kind of snort. And then we in today's seller's market and go, yeah, it's probably not going to work because there's just such a shortage of homes. So a contingent offer is that you're making an offer contingent on the sale of your home. This does not lock out the competition, meaning um, they're going to continue to market the house the seller is, even if you have a deal put together. And if they can find another buyer, um, then they'll basically go back to you and say, do you want the house or not? And if you want it, you have to move forward. Um, So it can involve a lot of heartbreak. And so that's what I mean by that's not always appropriate in all markets. I would say eight or nine years ago, it would have worked fairly well in a lot of markets uh, when we were in a buyer's market and didn't have the housing shortage. Um, Now, before I get into all four of these, they all start with C, contingent, confidence, couch, I came up with a new one for the third, fourth, because we I always had three, right? Uh-huh. You remember this, Karen. You've been through this before, right? Your contingent uh, option, the confidence option, the couch option. And I adore when I have clients, like I give them stuff or they listen to this and then they go, we think we're going to go with the confidence option. They like use my terminology <laughs> and it makes me feel like really important, like I should win a Nobel Prize or something. But um, there was a fourth one. I was like, sometimes you could try this and see what happens. And I didn't have a name for it. So I have a name for it now. It's the can you hang tight option. Okay. Just can you hang tight? That's what it is. So we'll see what that means. One of the big things before you even pick your options is figuring out your financing. Uh, So that's if you are buying another house, which is usually what most people are doing. So if you are buying another house, Karen, what's the biggest thing that's the trip up with financing in this situation if you're a seller and then going to be a buyer? And you're wanting to keep, I'm sorry, and you're wanting to keep. in general. That is, if people are wanting to keep their house or sell their house after they've bought the new house, 
then the payments, they need to qualify with yeah. all the payments. And those, those, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Me? Sorry, I just want to make no, sure. No, like, I know. I'm being like I'm tricky. Everything else, too, that I know. could potentially She's like, go wrong. But uh, There's 6,000 things I have to do, Deb. Have you <laughs> yes. seen my files, right? Yeah. No, but basically, in order for some of these options to work, you have to be able to qualify for the new mortgage while still carrying the old mortgage. So your debt-to-income ratio becomes really, really important. And the one thing I've seen this year tripping up a lot of people is that they can qualify debt-to-income-wise, but they don't have the down payment money. And I think we've probably had a lot of conversations like that. Yeah, I've seen that too. But they also know that, you know, whatever their goal is, like you said, if they need to move yeah. Then they they figure out how to get yeah. like gift funds right. or or whatever. So there are strategies, and you need to figure that out with your lender because a, most people their down payment is coming from the equity they have in their current home. But if their current home hasn't sold yet, then they have to sort of come up with a temporary um, means of acquiring down payment, which may be gift money borrowing from a 401k or something like that. Um, so it's important to have that conversation is, is with your lender and start to figure that out too. But let's go over these four options because I'm probably going to run out of time again like I do every freaking segment. Okay, so contingent, making an offer contingent on the sale of your home. The pro is that you can buy you some time to get your house sold. You can say, you know, give me 30 to 45 days. Let me see if I can get my house sold um, so that I don't have two mortgage payments kind of thing. So that can work well. But the negative is that it doesn't lock out other buyers from trying to buy your dream home. So it can be super disappointing. You may have to pay a little bit of premium uh, for a seller to even sort of consider doing that. Uh, make you, know, you may end up paying a little bit more for the house to get that special consideration. It's going to be a flat out no from a lot of sellers unless the house has been on the market for a little while. So I've had a few cases this year where I've looked and I've said, well, this house has been on the market for like three months. So if we want to try a contingent offer, I would be open to that. But if the house is one day on the market, which is what a lot of them are, doing a contingent offer is probably not going to fly. Um, and uh, you may feel backed into a corner when you go to sell your house to take the first offer that comes along because you don't want to lose your dream home. So you got to kind of be prepared for that. Um, you have to do what the buyer asks you to do on inspections or you lose your dream home. Um, so it's just a little bit different mindset. It's typically relatively stressful. So to be honest, most of my clients don't go with this offer, uh, this option, even, even in different markets, even, you know, six years ago. This is just not, I don't know why. I mean, people come and they say, you know, yeah, we want to do this. And then you explain it to them and they're like, oh, maybe not. Maybe I don't want to do it. I think a lot of people think that the contingent offer, contingent on the sale of my home, is that it locks out everyone completely. And it just gives me, you know, a couple months to get my house sold and the sellers are going to wait for me. And that's not typically how it works. Yeah. And I, on the lending side too, I think that the that it's, for that seller wanting, you know, that making that decision to go ahead and carry both mortgages mm -hmm. and take that leap of faith. But if they have picked the right realtor who is saying you're probably your house is going to sell rather quickly as soon as it does list. And if they can kind of trust their gut with that and go yeah. with it, most of the time it works out. Yeah. Like it will get sold. Yeah. Um, so that's option number one. Option number two is what I call the confidence option, which means you buy your dream home and then you put your old house up for sale. Now, this is where you definitely have to be able to qualify for both mortgages. You have to be able to come up with a down payment. But this is the one the majority of my clients do because it's sort of the easiest uh, in terms of living your life. 
and you have kids and you have pets and things like that. So the pro is that you can take all the time you need to find the right home. Um, and, and I have several clients doing this right now. We have everything about their current home ready. We've got all the pictures done. We're ready to list it. And we're just taking our time finding the right home for them to move into. And they're able to make offers quickly because it doesn't have to be contingent on anything. And then we're ready to just get the ho- their house sold. Um, you can stage your home. And that was one thing. One of my clients, you know, they have like a newborn baby and they have a dog. So they just want to get moved and get out of the house and have it staged and not have to worry about, you know, keeping it clean uh, for selling. The negative is that obviously you've got a risk of double payments um, and you have to be able to qualify for that new loan. Uh, so that is one option. Another option that more clients than I realize do, uh, or than I would think, do I call the couch option, which is you sell your house first and then you sleep on a couch <laughs> until you find a place to go. Uh, I've had quite a few clients and living with your mother-in-law is a great motivation to buy a house <laughs> and all of a sudden become not so picky. I've had a few clients like that. The, the positive is that you can focus on one thing at a time. Um, and there are a lot of people like, I just want to focus. I have some clients doing that right now. We put their house up last week. They moved out completely into a friend's like garage apartment, rehomed just temporarily, like farmed some animals out with some you know friends and stuff because they said, we can't be there. And we just don't even want to think about like, we got five offers on the house over the weekend. And so on Sunday, I was like, are you ready to start looking now? Because they were just like one thing at a time. And they're like, I don't know. I think we need a couple more weeks to just get through inspections and everything. So that's the nice thing. You focus on one thing at a time. You're not pressured to find your dream home. You're not pressured about having double payments. Uh, You just have to sleep on a couch and you have to move twice. And it can be hard to find a short-term rental if you don't have relatives. So that can be a downside too. And then my new one, which we've done a little bit of this year, uh, option four, can you hang tight a sec? Uh, And this is asking the buyer. So you put your house up on the market. You're the seller. You put your house up on the market. You get an offer and you say to the buyer, could you give me like a month to see if I can find a place to go to? And you make it contingent on you, the seller, finding suitable housing. And so none of the timelines, inspections, nothing like that happens until that agreed upon timeline um, it, it comes comes due where you say, okay, I'm ready to move forward. I found a place to go. So that can buy you some time as well, but not all buyers are going to be willing to do this. Um, and so if you say, you know, give me 30 days. I did one. It's been a few years. Uh, he wanted 21 days. And then at the end of 21 days, he said, I need like three more days because we're negotiating and they need to see if I can get it together. And we're like, all right. You know, the nice thing was my buyers weren't pressured. They didn't have to move right away. Mm-hmm. They had time to do that. I'm Not all that buyers are going to be times. Away. Yeah. So that can be done as well. So that's you say the seller saying to the buyer, can you just hang tight for a second? Let me see if I can work something out over here. That certainly can be an option, too. But I think the biggest the most used option is the confidence option. Just having faith it's all going to work out. Budgeting to have um, double payments for a few months, although usually you don't have to if the seller's market is hot like it is now. We usually can get that house sold pretty quickly. Um, and then the second most is the couch option. Um, so that although moving twice sucks, being pressured to buy a home that maybe isn't your dream home sucks even more. Most of my clients are kind of looking for their dream home where they're going to be for 10 years. You know, they've got their first home. It's good. Their family's grown. Now they need uh, a bigger home and they don't want to go anywhere until the kids are grown. So they want to take a little more time to do that. So those are the strategies. You need to figure out your plan A and your plan B. I always tell my clients, have a plan B just in case, because it's always good to have a backup plan. It'll keep you calmer and saner throughout the process. I make it sound painful. It's not that bad. 
Well, no, I'm but like I, I'm like you know, my I think my blood pressure has increased. Sitting, I'm just thinking in the in the eyes of a seller, like having to hurry up and do this and do that, or as a buyer, like that's just like too much right now. Oh, thanks for the vote of confidence. No, but what I'm saying is, <laughs> I think I would be the can you hang tight person. Yeah. I would be like, yeah. wait a minute, I can only you know right. do, do one thing at a time. Yeah. yeah, right. And so you have to figure out the plan that works best for you, and you need to have that conversation with your realtor so they can help you reach your goals and understand why you're making the decisions you're making. All right, that is the end of that segment. We are going to take a break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. What's your coffee story? The one that defines who you truly are in a relaxing setting. It's where you share your memories, plan for the future, and talk about the now. My favorite coffee story is here with host Aniko Samoji. We invite you to listen in and share your coffee stories too. Bring your friends or just stop by as we talk about coffee and the inspiring stories that touch our lives every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, we're back. Uh, we are doing a home seller seminar. Um, so we're doing, it's 12 parts. Don't get overwhelmed. I like to break things down into manageable chunks. So this is going to eventually end up as um, 12, like 10 minute-ish YouTube videos that you can watch if you're not listening to the show live or uh, on a rerun. Uh, so we've talked about picking a realtor. We've talked about then figuring out what your transition strategy is, where you're going to live, how you're going to not be homeless. And then the next thing you want to think about is a pre-listing inspection. So getting your house ready. So many of my clients have me come in and they start immediately talking about cosmetics. And I'm going to that crack in the wall and I'm going to that rusty water heater. And I'm saying we really need to address these things before we address paint or a new deck or anything like that. Um, so I really am pushing, and we've talked about this on the show. So if you ever listen to any of the shows, thank you. But you've heard us talk about pre-listing inspections. And I think they're hugely helpful. And I think they save the seller a ton of money. Um, but it does cost, you know, in our market, a home inspection is usually somewhere between $350 and $500. So it's not cheap. But I really think it's important. Uh, it's a way that you get ahead of the buyers. 
Uh, and now more than ever in this seller's market, this is important. We were talking about this. Were we talking about this on air or before the show? I don't even remember now. Um, my afternoon's kind of run into a blur. Karen's looking at me like I'm I know. drunk. We're, I'm not no, gonna... we're multitasking. So I... I know. I'm trying to schedule a showing while I'm doing <laughs> a podcast at the same time. Ah. Um, that, you know, sellers are like, my home's perfect. You should, you know, yeah, we talked about this on the show in the first second. <laughs> it's all coming back to <laughs> yeah, me now. We do. Yes. <laughs> yes, we did. You know, hey, my home's perfect. You should be grateful that I'm even talking to you, you know, by my house. I don't have to fix anything. And that certainly is not the case. What is happening is that buyers under are under tremendous pressure to make decisions very quickly and they become very a lot of people become very uncomfortable with that and then they look for a way to get out of the deal um, and so when you have things that are you know I had a house and I just was like you know this roof is a million years old they're like yeah it is I don't think we've had any problems I'm like could we maybe get someone to look at it and they're like no nah, it'll be fine was it an issue yeah did they lose a buyer yeah am I asking myself a lot of questions yeah it's kind of how we're doing it this year um, so you are going to lose buyers if you go in with that attitude. Um, so don't be cocky. Um, I've seen houses in this market sell. I saw one house four times. It was like every two days it would go pending and then the next day it would come back on the market and then it would go pending again and then the next day it would come back on the market four times. Ridiculous. And it was all condition issue. It wasn't the cosmetics. Everybody walks through the house and they see what they see and they know what the cosmetic situation is. Right. It's the stuff that you can't see or that you're not thinking about. Um, and so, um, listening inspection. The most stressful time for a seller is not waiting for the offer to come in. It's that time period between you have the accepted offer and you get the inspection response. And that can sometimes be up to two weeks. I had one yesterday. The inspection was yesterday morning. And I swear she, at three o'clock she texts me sweet lady and she goes I've waited as long as I can what do they want what do they find <laughs> I'm like, the inspection literally ended like an hour and a half ago <laughs> like it's gonna be a few days and luckily we got the response today so that's good um so that uh, get ahead of the buyer it's gonna cost you more money to make a repair when a buyer asks for it than if you made the repair yourself so here's a really really good example that sounds ridiculous but I think I have it come up once a week. So if you have an electric panel that has breakers, there are little openings that you put the breaker in. And sometimes those openings are just open. So in theory, don't tell your 11-year-old son this, if you stuck your finger through there, you could get electrocuted. So they make these things called blanks that you just, it's a blank, you just cover up the hole in the electric panel. Mm -hmm. Okay, is this making sense? Yeah. Okay. You look confused. No, I'm just, I'm sitting here thinking, I don't know if I have any empty spaces in my... Well, check it, okay? I'm going to. Do you know what one of these little plastic covers costs? I don't know. 48 like, cents. I was going to say like a buck. 48 cents. If a buyer sees that on an inspection, they're going to be like, we need a licensed electrician to come out and plug these holes, and it's going to cost you $75. Ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. Same thing with GFCI outlets. I can change GFCI outlet. I don't recommend it. I'd say still call an electrician. But, you know, push comes to shove. You probably know someone who could change out, you know, a GFCI outlet that isn't working. I see that all the time, by the way. All the time. You have to They're have $15. Those. You have to have those. Yeah. If you have an electrician do it, it's going to cost you 75 bucks easily. 75 bucks plus parts. I'll come to your house for 50 and do it. <laughs> Anyways. Maybe pay pay you in Jamberry yeah. nail wraps. Yes, if you're a Jamberry <laughs> consultant, I will come and change your GFCI outlets, and you can give me free stuff. Um, 
Now, I had two buyers or sellers this year do pre-listing inspections and not listen to their home inspector. They listened on some things, but they didn't listen on everything. How'd that, how'd that work out? Did not work out well. <laughs> Did not work out well. Was it because? Um, one of them uh, lost the buyer, had to start over again, okay. had to take out a personal loan to pay for some pretty significant repairs that we knew about. She actually said, and she was real sweet about it. I mean, can't get mad at her or anything. Um, she said, she goes, yeah, I mean, everything on this inspection is the same thing that the home inspector brought up when I did my pre-listing inspection. Okay. We got her closed. She's moved. It's all good. Um, another one resulted in the buyer didn't walk away, but we had a list of 21 items that we had to like contend with and try and negotiate through. It was very, very stressful for everyone. And the whole point of the pre-listing inspection was to reduce stress and reduce cost. So take advantage of that. That would be my best advice if you get the pre-listing inspection. Um, and then what I do when we get a pre-listing inspection is I actually go through it and I kind of, there's three buckets. So the first one is, what's going to make a buyer not make an offer? Those are going to be like cracks in the walls and stains on the ceiling. Things that a buyer is going to see as they're walking through the house that they're going to be like, something's wrong with this house. Buckling floors um, or uneven floors, things like that. Or if there's water in the basement or, you know, a big wall, crack in a basement wall or something. Mm -hmm. Okay, we need to deal with those before we even go on the market because buyers are just simply not going to make an offer. The second bucket is what are the things that a buyer would want to walk away from a deal without it giving you a chance to even have that conversation, like a bad roof. Um, they're not going to go up on the roof during a showing and see that it's bad. But if the home inspector comes back and says the roof is bad, you're going to be back against the wall, especially if you're trying to buy another house at the same time. And then the third one is what are the things that they're probably going to ask for in inspections and we'll just kind of negotiate through. And those are sort of, you know, down on the list. So when I do this initial walkthrough of homes with, uh, with sellers, when I go for a listing appointment, they're wanting me to tell them what color to paint the walls and, uh, you know, should they replace the deck and should we put new appliances in and things like that. And I'm like, Man, I don't really want to tell you to spend that kind of money until we have that pre-listing inspection. Right. And we know, like, you need $4,000 of repairs in your crawl space. Then I'm going to say, get those appliances as clean as humanly possible, and let's deal with the deal, the potential deal breakers. Because mm -hmm. an old fridge is probably not a deal breaker as much as a moldy crawl space or something like that. So it's definitely something to really, really consider, uh, please. And then take it seriously. All right, so that was part three of our home seller seminar. We've gone over picking a realtor, picking a stra strategy for transition, and the pre-listing inspection. Uh, next segments, we're going to talk about staging your home and getting ready for pictures. Uh, I've got my golden rules, Deb's golden rules for uh, staging your home for pictures. Put your damn toilet seats down, basically. Um, setting a price. How do you go about doing that? And then what happens with showings, how to prepare for showings. Uh, future shows, we're going to talk about evaluating an offer once you get it, how you handle inspections from a seller's perspective, what's up with the appraisal, um, what's going on behind the scenes with the title work, uh, talk about the mortgage payoff and your bottom line and what the numbers look like, and then what happens in closing and possession. So we'll go over all of that in our home buyer, home seller seminar over the next I tried three to three more weeks. I know I you did. You kicked my foot. That's good. Thank you. Uh, so thanks for joining us today, and we will be back next week with another segment. This is Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. 
Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb Tomorrow, for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.